Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, there's 7 billion people on this planet, all of whom can breathe. Mm. You know, maybe not everyone feels like doing yoga or going to the gym. Maybe not everyone has access to the healthiest food, but everyone can breathe. And for now, it's free. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> for now, for yeah. now. Welcome back to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast with me, Dr. Rupi, where we are going to be discussing the most important topics and concepts in the medicinal qualities of food and lifestyle. Now, today's guest is Richie Bostock, or the breath guy. He's made it his mission to spread the life-changing possibilities of breathing. This episode is Breathe for Health. Breathing is the only system in our body that is both automatic and also under our control. And that is not an accident of nature. It is by design and it is key to becoming healthy, happy and high performing. And that's according to Richie's own experiences with breathwork as well. It's completely shifted his own life and beliefs on the potential of human beings. He's had some incredible experiences traveling around the world and learning from one of the modern day masters of breathwork, Wim Hof. You can catch Richie at festivals, workshops and retreats. The links to all of them are on the show notes. And also his book, Exhale, The Science and Art of Breathwork is out on March 2020. I'm definitely going to get myself a copy and so should you. And talking about books, my new book, Eat to Be Illness, is out now. I talk about the nutritional science and the lifestyle practices that improve so many different aspects of our well-being, our brain, our skin, our immunity. Also, check out the newsletter for thedoctorskitchen.com. You can sign up at the website. There's loads of fascinating information that I'm trying to pump out every two weeks. No spam, just pure nutritional and lifestyle goodness. On to the podcast. Richie. Welcome to the pod, mate. Mate, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's nice to have an Aussie in the studio. It just makes everything really happy. You know? I don't know what <laughs> happened. You know, we came over from the UK, got some sunshine. All of a sudden, we're like the happiest people in the world. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, I lived there for two years, yeah. so I completely get the Aussie vibe. You know, that whole well-being lifestyle, living by the beach, eating well. You know, there's a lot of reason as to why, you know, I, I think Aussies are super happy. And yeah, it's great to have you in the studio man so thank you so much for coming down 
So for those who don't know uh, a bit about what you do, I think it would be great to get into what your background is, why you're so fascinated by breathwork. And at the moment, it just seems to be blowing up. Like there's so many things that you're getting involved and uh, also from a clinical perspective as well. I think there's some really interesting research coming out. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really crazy how quickly it's caught on. And I think it's just because it's, breathing yeah. <laughs> like, like everyone can do it you know if you have a nose and a mouth and a pair of lungs and it means you qualify mm. so so um how i got into it well funnily enough you know i wasn't always teaching people how to breathe for a living um i'm from australia originally and uh was brisbane work- right brisbane Brizzy. yeah you were in sydney yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i've been to brisbane i like brisbane did you like it yeah i love it there's yeah, not really nice. there's not a heap going on there there's not too much going on there's some nice uh, on the outskirts i think of mm. the actual city itself but yeah the best part is you're close to amazing beaches yes yeah exactly um yeah. so and uh uh, average, average at okay. best, and I, <laughs> I like I'm, the I'm being generous yeah, yeah. even with that. To be honest with you, um, yeah, I uh, I've given it a go and uh, can get up on a wave, but that's about it. Um, and uh, yeah, so when I uh, when I was in Brisbane, I was working as a management consultant, so six years in in the corporate life. Um, yeah, working seventy hour weeks, uh, doing what is very common, especially in places like London. You know, just living, um, burning the candle at both ends. Mm. And uh, it was, you know, after a little while that I realized it's not really what I wanted to do. Uh, spent the next year or so trying to work out exactly what that is, starting up a couple of businesses, eventually starting an online uh, business. It was an app for a martial art that I was really interested in at the oh, time, yeah? Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, yeah. I love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, you like it? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I've only done a few sessions myself, mm. but um, I, I used to watch quite a bit of UFC, like MMA, and oh, like, yeah. some of the best ones had a specialism in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, who's it? George St. Pierre. Yeah. It was a great one. And yeah, a whole bunch of others. So, oh, yeah. Man of my own heart. GSP is my favorite yeah. fighter of all oh, time. I'm serious. Yeah. 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 I love that he's guy. so much respect as well. Well, he's GSP. a traditional martial artist, mm. you know. He's yeah. not just like some thug off the street. Yeah. He's, uh, he has deep respect for the, the martial art and yeah. the game. And, mm. and uh, yeah, he, he actually just retired yesterday. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I mean, he's been getting on a bit. Like, I remember yeah. watching him like five, six years ago and like when he was at his peak. Yeah. But um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I think, is like fascinating from like a psychological point of view as well because for those of you who don't know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is oh, I'll let you yeah. explain like, oh yeah so it's a it's a grappling style martial art in that there's no punching there's no kicking there's no strikes it's purely like wrestling mm. uh, or like judo and the way that you win generally if you take like competition points aside is that you have to submit your opponent mm. opponent make them tap and that's either through normally a joint lock or a chokehold, choke, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they either tap out and you let go, or yeah. you go to sleep. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, from a psychological perspective, it's you, you're completely right because um, what's different about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on any grappling martial art versus like a striking martial art or kickboxing, whatever you, mm. is that when you spar, you can really go all out because mm. you're not afraid about like punching the person exactly. or striking them. So yeah. you know you're really trying to, you know, you're putting all your effort in. Yeah, and uh, when you know that. Um, the only way for that to finish is for someone to submit, which is essentially like, you've got me, yeah. I, I have to give in to you. Exactly, um, yeah. It's a real test of your ego. It is, It's yeah. really, really humbling, and you find a lot of people 
get incredible therapy out of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think yeah. even the hashtag, you know, there's like the hashtag yoga save my life is like uh-huh. a big one. I think it's hashtag BJJ save my life oh, is another really? one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Been, I'll check that one out. You know, it really brings back memories for me because uh, when I was working in uh, Manly and Monteville emergency department, one of our registrars was really into BJJ. Yeah. And he would, on his break, sit there in front of the computer on YouTube and just watch BJJ, like loads of different masters from around the world, just giving their tips and stuff. And he would like try and do stuff for me as well. And, uh, just I'm in not... the emergency, in the waiting yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, in the waiting room. Yeah, I mean, it number. came useful sometimes actually when we had like, you know, some uh, drug addict, drug addict yeah. uh, patients coming in and unfortunately, you know, you lost had to restrain them. Yeah. I had to restrain them and stuff. But I remember his forearms were just so big and he just had such like a firm grip. He's the loveliest guy. Mm. But yeah, it's amazing. Well, you find a lot of jujitsu practitioners are the loveliest people because yeah. they, uh, whenever they're training, they're getting humbled over and over and yes. over again, yeah. you know, yeah. um, in, in their sparring and in their training. So yeah, I, I used to love it. And I don't do it anymore, unfortunately, okay. just because I kept getting injured. Really? Yeah. 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 I've never met a uh, like a, a black belt or anyone who's been doing it for a long time that doesn't mm. have a chronic severe back injury, yeah. neck injury, yeah. knee injury. And I was just like, you know what? It's not worth it. Yeah. Like, one, of, I, one of my good friends at the moment is doing it a lot and he's a general practitioner. And uh, every now and then I see him like every other week and he's like got a black eye or like cut hair or like yeah. greys I'm like I thought it was yeah, meant to be grappling only man like you, like know? you don't understand <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a tricky one it's it's really tough on your on uh, especially mm. your your core your spine your neck mm. um, and that was what I kept getting injured right. and so I was like I don't think I can do this anymore tapped out I tapped life. out yeah, yeah permanently yeah. Um, I love it still I did like capoeira for a little while oh, nice. any of these like movement based like yeah. exercise or martial arts I love yeah um, capoeira I think is beautiful like oh, you know the, the way they move move fluid you know it's very um uh what's the word for it it's uh, uh it's not a predatorial it's um, primal primal mm. that's the one yeah predatorial primal yeah. yeah it's that that kind of primal movement where you swing your arms and the whole purpose is not to hit the other person exactly right? yeah mm. yeah well when you're when you're doing the, the they call it the hodas which mm. is when everyone's in a circle singing and playing instruments mm. and you got the people in the middle yeah it's supposed to be like a dance and a flow mm. and that's also really really beautiful yeah. highly recommend it for anyone who's yeah who's looking for a new way to work out because the fitness for it is crazy yeah yeah because it works on everything absolutely yeah, i've never yeah. seen these capoeira dancers i was traveling in brazil during medical school um d- during the breaks and just watching i was just mesmerized by the music first of mm. all because it's kind of that rhythmic sort of like continuous sound and then these guys just like kicking and flying and missing each other and like it just yeah it's, it's like a dance when you get when you get to experienced practitioners like mm. dancing or sparring or they call it playing playing yeah. um it's it is mesmerizing. Mm. It's hypnotic. Just watching them in the flow, and they they, they kind of become one, right? They kind yeah. of merge together, and it's yeah. just incredible. It's like watching a salsa or a tango yeah. or ballroom dancing, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like you know, in in uh, uh, pants and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. Nothing yeah. else. They don't have his fancy outfits. Less, but. less, less kicks to the head, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to see it in Strictly Come Dancing. No, no. That, although you know that might take him pretty far if yeah. they uh, if they mix Strictly it up a bit. Strictly Come Capoeira. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, some new ideas there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we have really digressed. A little bit, away yeah, from a little bit, but it's okay. We cool. can get back on track. Um, <laughs> let me see. Where was I? Oh yeah, so I made that made that up. Um, so it was around the time when that was I was running that business mm. um, that my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, right. MS. 
Um, and uh, there isn't, like most autoimmune diseases, a real set cure. There isn't a take this pill and it will fix it. Mm. It's more of uh, a lifestyle change. It's more about really assessing what's going on in your life and seeing if there's something that you can do to help it. Um, so my mum and I, we've always really been into health and fitness. She's been a personal trainer, Pilates instructor, oh, wow. uh, dancer. So always been interested um, and uh, and grew up around that kind of stuff, the health and well-being industry anyway. Gotcha, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so we're always on the lookout for different alternative treatments, mm. just things that he can do. And so on a podcast, um, quite a few years ago, I came across this guy. His name's Wim Hof, Wim Hof, known as the Iceman. The Iceman, um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who don't, haven't heard of him before, highly recommend a quick YouTube and just mm. watch one of his videos. He's a unique character, um, but absolutely one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met. And uh, so he was talking about... Oh, no. So the reason why he's called the Iceman is because he holds... It's around about 20 world records, all related to cold exposure. So there's a documentary on him, right? Uh, there's a Vice documentary. That's, That's it, kind yeah. of what blew him up a little yeah. bit, yeah, like quite a few years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, he he's he's what has he done? I mean, I think he holds the record for the longest time spent in uh, an ice bath mm. before his core body temperature changed. It was mm. like an hour and fifty three minutes, or hour something like 53. that. Yeah, something wow. like that. Yeah, uh, you know, he's run. Um, marathons in the Arctic Circle, just wearing your sh- his shorts. And when people were like, well, you're just crazy. You can just really, you're amazing at withstanding the cold. This is just your thing, genetic freak. He was like, well, okay, let's test this. And then ran a marathon in the Sahara, Sahara one of the big deserts, yeah. um, without drinking water and zero training. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> definitely and, not uh, recommended. Not yeah, recommended, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not uh, medical practitioner approved. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... He will speak on this podcast and he talked about his method, which involves uh, cold exposure activities, whether it's cold showers, um, ice baths, uh, and then also uh, breathing techniques. Mm. And he talked about it as, you know, it's a fantastic thing for everyone to do. Great for everyone's health and well-being, but specifically really good for people who have autoimmune diseases. And I was like... Okay, sounds interesting. What's this about? Did a bit of research. Uh, went to my dad, and uh, my dad, he's hes an old-school Brit, right? Mm. So, you know, he's uh, maybe a bit more closed-minded, at least at the time. Yeah. And uh, so I went to dad and went, hey, dad, this this uh, this old Dutch guy called the Iceman says that if you take a cold shower and breathe a bit, it's going to help your MS. And I can imagine the response. <laughs> and like, 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 it made real sense when I said it. Yeah. I was like, I'm trying to help you here, right? Like, this is going to work. And uh, and then yeah, he just kind of looked at me and was like, hmm, okay, Rich, you yeah. can just like leave now. I was yeah, like, okay, yeah. okay, 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 I get it. Um, but you know, sometimes you just have a gut feel, and I was just so interested anyway yeah. that I went, okay. Um, if I so I was living in Hong Kong at the time actually, oh, okay. and I I said to him if I uh, go to Poland where he does these week long retreats in the middle of winter where you learn the technique and then mm. do all these things that um, that he does, uh, and I think it's interesting and worth exploring. Do, will you at least just give it a go? Mm. And I can't say no to that, right? Yeah. So I signed up to one of these trainings uh, hosted by one of his instructors, mm-hmm. and uh, that trip in Poland was just transformative and just started everything you know um we uh the very first day uh we did like a quick breath work session in the morning had breakfast and then the instructor after breakfast is like all right guys um let's meet in the front of the hotel in 15 minutes just wear your shorts and we're like wait what's the the instruction are we gonna like build up to this or what yeah uh and then we get to 
the, the front, and he's like, we're going to go for a little walk now. Um, it's minus six degrees outside. Uh, but you know what? It's okay. You got this. Hundreds of people have done this before and everyone's been okay. Just relax. Slow down your breathing. Let's go. Wow. And that was it. That was the instruction. And we all looked at each other and we're going, wow. Okay. <sighs> and then we walked for nearly two hours in the snow. Two hours. Barefoot. And you had no prior training. You just Zero went, training. Wow. Just relax and trust. And everyone was fine. 25 of us there. All good. No Incredible. problem whatsoever. And uh, so that's just one thing. You know, we did all the swimming in the ice lakes. Um, if you guys watch the Vice documentary, that's the retreat that yeah. I went on. It's mm. the same place. Um, and uh, the, the, the crescendo of it all is that you climb the tallest mountain on the Czech-Polish border. It takes about close to four hours to ascend. Uh-huh. And it was like minus 19 degrees plus no wind way. and snow wow. just wearing your shorts in your shorts yeah oh my in your God. shorts that's incredible and uh, all 25 of us got up no frostbite no hypothermia everyone's all good wow and you know people think you know oh there's got to be some really special breathing technique for withstanding the cold the breathing technique is part of the Wim Hof method uh-huh. does help with the cold but only for a short period of time once you finish the breathing mm. We would do a breathing session and then, you know, hours later do our cold stuff. So actually that breath technique didn't necessarily have the, uh, didn't have the residual chemical changes Mm. that helps with dealing with cold. Mm. It helps in different ways. So really it's, everyone can do it. There's no magic to it. It's just about relaxation. Wow. It's just about being able to, (laughs) oh, and relax and say, it's okay. I can withstand this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fascinating. I mean, I I remember watching the documentaries. I remember him, uh, essentially his rebuttal to people saying, well, you're a a genetic freak. You you know, there's some reason as to why you can do it and no one else can. And he was like, well, I'll just teach a few people. And so he taught a few people, essentially the method that you're, you're talking about. Mm. Um, and they were able to, to, uh, perform feats similar, perhaps not as extreme as him, but still as extreme as you've just described. That's pretty extreme. Totally. And, and the other thing is that he has a twin brother, Right, I didn't know that. Who can't do the things that he does? Really? Yeah. Oh wow! Interesting. So, so, so it's like it's it couldn't be a more perfect scenario, yeah. you know, for for debunking. It's just a genetic thing. He has a twin brother that can't do the things he does. Um, well, it's really interesting that you picked up on the fact that the breathing will only last for so long in terms of the chemical changes mm. that you can measure in your blood, and we'll get into that yeah. a little bit later. But you know, that's very very interesting to me because I, I'm fascinated by the pathophysiology, the biochemical changes that can uh, allow people to perform those sorts of feats that are unimaginable. Like I can't imagine myself doing that, but I'm intrigued. Um, but that that in itself is a massive mystery to me. I mean, we're definitely evolutionary. Uh, we've we've uh, developed an evolutionary um, uh, performance level so we can withstand those sorts of conditions. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to survive. But that in itself is is still it's quite perplexing to me. I don't I don't get it. It's I I am such a huge believer that we do not understand, not even half like and oh, like yeah, barely anything that we're yeah. capable of as human beings. Um, I uh, I'm a big fan of this guy called Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh-huh. and this is a bit off breath work, but mm. um, he preaches preaches. It's not right the word. He teaches uh, a a way of thinking about the mind-body connection mm. um, and then also how that kind of interacts with our external environment as mm. well. 
And uh, he goes on about a lot of things, but one of his big things he focuses on is self-healing. Uh-huh. So the being able to heal yourself from things that we're not supposed to be able to uh, purely through thought and meditation. Really amazing, amazing guy. And I've been following his work for quite some time. Uh, he's got quite a few books out, and I've, I, I've been doing his exercises and absolutely love them. Um, and he did a retreat in Brighton last year in November. Mm. And I went along. Uh, it's retreats a loose word because there were 900 people there. Oh, wow. So it was, I guess, like a, a week long <laughs> event. like a conference. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, uh, I wanted to see other people doing it. People, because I'm very fortunate that I don't have too many uh, physical ailments. And mm-hmm. I wanted to see people who really had some, some things going on and see what they were able to do. And uh, I, uh, I saw some things, and I'll just I'll tell you exactly what only things that I witnessed with my own eyes and saw. Uh, there was a guy um, in the beginning with Parkinson's disease, full tremors all over, uh, had to walk with two canes um, and major pain going up and down his spine. After, I think it was three days, only tremors left in his right hand and no pain whatsoever. Wow. Walking completely unassisted. People with uh, major food intolerances, celiac, that kind of thing, eating bread, pasta, anything with zero symptoms after a couple of days. Um, A lady who was partially blind from a stroke, full vision restored after a few days. That's crazy. And purely through the power of the mind. Mm. Um, And it all sounds super woo-woo. Yeah. And even in my mind, it's kind of like, is that really possible? Yeah. (laughs) But then you witness it. Yeah. And then you go, wow, okay, maybe there's something to this. And, you know, I went in super open-minded anyway because, like, I teach breathing for a living. Yeah. And so (laughs) to do that, you kind of have to be pretty open-minded anyway. Um, And through my own experiences with breath work, I have seen incredible transformation, things that you would not believe. Um, I'd love to get into that in a bit. Of course, yeah, Yeah. of course. I'm a firm believer. I mean, your story with with your father. Oh, we didn't finish it. Oh, we didn't finish it. No, diverted again. Yeah. Well, let's go for that. <laughs> so, so okay. So, so you came, went to Poland. Came back to this. Poland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Showed Dad the photos. Told him the stories. Um, to cut a long story short, he went, "Okay, there's maybe something to this." Fast forward, we're, you know, four years now. Um, he's been breathing every day, cold showers every day. Changed his diet in a big way, which is, as you know, very, very important, yeah. particularly particularly for people with autoimmune issues. Um, and his MS uh, progression just stopped in his tracks. Wow. Yeah, hasn't had a single attack that since. Sort of remission at the moment. Complete That's remission. That's very, very interesting. So, and I've shared the story on like a few magazine yeah. articles and stuff, and I've had people reach out and say like, "I'm doing the same thing and it works." Wow. You know, that's uh, that's really. I mean, like, the, it, there's so much nuance to the subject, particularly within MS. I mean, yeah. there's different types, and you know, some are secondary mm. and, and, and primary, some are relapsing, remitting, etc. Yes. Um, but uh, uh, the story does certainly resonate with me on a number of levels. When I had my own issues with atrial fibrillation, which is an irregular heart rhythm, I was beating very fast, and there were no clear triggers, and this was going on over about a year, year and a half or so. Um, I was told to uh, have a potentially curative procedure involving um, an intervention where uh, a part of the heart is essentially burnt with a laser. And all my colleagues were, um, were definitely supportive of this action. I was a very good candidate for it. It's a relatively safe procedure. The one person who wasn't was my mum, who isn't medically trained, who is very of the, uh, much of the mind of um, an Ayurvedic way of life. And, and I know that comes uh, into breathing and we'll mm-hmm. chat about that in a bit. Um, but she was the one that asked me to examine my lifestyle and try to optimize every element that was in the locus of my control 
So my stress, breathing, meditation that I was taught when I was a teenager, uh, food, obviously, uh, sleep hygiene, all these different things. Uh, and I think it, it really serves. And, and yes, after, you know, a period of a year or so, my AF episodes uh, relinquished and, and, you know, I've been AF free for a number of years and I still have the checks with cardiologists. And for them, it's perpetual. For me, again, it is still like I'm trying to retrospectively figure out what I did. And I think it serves as a metaphor for a lot of people who don't really understand just how much control we have over our own physiology. Breathing is your sort of um, uh, focus and, and perhaps your bias as well on that. But collectively, you know, we have so many different elements of our lifestyle that we can control to improve our well-being. Breathwork, yes, diet, sleep hygiene, stress management, uh, community, sense of purpose, uh, a whole bunch of other things that I, I talk about in the books and stuff and the rest of the podcast. But it's it's educating people on how they can become experts of their own health that I'm super passionate about. And I love hearing these stories. They're, they're really amazing. And you know, the, I think the biggest secret uh, for a lot of people is that your body is one incredible self-healing machine and that sounds very woo but when you look at the uh, chemistry when you cut your hand for example and you know the rebuilding of the skin and how the inflammatory process is very adaptive to essentially signal and these beautifully designed pathways to fix something you know this is something that is a happening every day of every second and like trillions of different processes happening simultaneously when you understand that you begin to to figure out why certain things can happen and why you know if we put our body in the best environment it can lead to these remarkable improvements i i, I couldn't agree with you more and i know like my my focus is breath work absolutely and you know because it had such a big effect on my life um and the people that i've seen around me um, but a big part of that is also just because there isn't a focus enough yet. Yeah. And absolutely. so I've just seen this, this, this huge gap and gone, guys, like this is something that needs attention because, you know, there's 7 billion people on this planet, all of whom can breathe, mm. you know, maybe not everyone feels like doing yoga or going to the gym. Maybe not everyone has access to the healthiest food, but everyone can breathe. And for now, it's free. Yeah. So like, <laughs> now, for yeah, now, for now it's but, free. And so, so there's, you know, if, if, if increasing the quality of your life by 10% as simple as learning a little bit about your breathing and mm. being able to use it in a way that's useful for you, then that's such an easy win. I know, um, totally. But I, am so, I completely agree, you know, I, with diet, um, lifestyle, um, any lifestyle, whether it's sleep, stress, I mean, I can't, I can't. Um, emphasize stress enough yeah. you know my, my, my brother's a physio absolutely incredible physio back in Oz um, you know he sees 70 patients a week wow. and uh, he was he ate like five six years ago said the number one problem is stress yeah in, yeah. in our society and back then I was in the most stressful job in the world <laughs> and I was like yeah whatever man you just yeah. don't get it um, <laughs> but now I see it um, it's but, that it's yeah. sort of like that dualistic perspective we have in medicine actually of mind and body being separate you know mm. we treat the body and we, we treat the mind well that's up to the psychiatrist the psychologist the two are not connected whereas actually you know there is a huge cranial nerve that starts in the brain 
brain crosses the blood-brain barrier, goes straight into the spleen, and is responsible for inflammatory proteins and stuff. And we can manipulate that exactly. with, with breathing yeah. and other stress-relieving techniques. And, and the mind-body interventions, I think, are gathering a lot more attention, at least in the scientific field, um, certainly warrant more attention on the ground as frontline practitioners and just generally for people to know about. Mm. So commend your work, man. Oh, That's great. Well, let's thank get you. into that. So yeah. you, after that um, retreat, uh, you came back. And then came back happened. and uh, so um, I had an incredible experience and the cold work is is fantastic but the breathing is what really got me um, you know bef- I've always had um, episodes of depression in my life and kind of like this underlying as existential anxiety you know yeah. just that thinking of like why am I here like what's the point of all this what's the what are we supposed to do in this life and uh and the first time I had a deep breathwork session using the Wim Hof method in Poland uh, gave me so much clarity, gave me all these incredible feelings, this this incredible feeling this first time of just like complete power and confidence and like I can do anything and that like my past is not part of me at all. I'm here right now in the present and I can do anything. And and I never forgot that experience. And I was like, man, if everyone could have that, this would, that would be incredible. Mm. And then throughout the week, you know, having different experiences each time doing different breathing sessions. And it just shifted so much for me mentally and emotionally. Mm. Um, so once I came back, I'm telling you, it completely changed just after one week. It was transformative. And that started my obsession of like, okay, so the, what else are people doing with breathing? Like, is this the only thing? And after doing a lot of research, I found out that there are a lot of ways to breathe. (laughs) And there are a lot of people doing different things. Um, So you have your more traditional, more well-known practices like, you know, it was pranayama, so Mm. yogic styles of breathing, kundalini. Um, And then... Pranayama, just for the listener, uh, is the um, yogic breathing where you use your nostrils? Pranayama is is the the umbrella term for Mm. all the breathing techniques as part of the yogic tradition. So that's like alternative uh, nostril breathing is just one technique. Yeah, wow. and then um, uh, in Chinese medical breathing, so things like qigong mm-hmm. um, and even in tai chi. Uh, so those are like kind of well known now. Um, but then there was this whole underground, almost like uh, all these all these underground styles of breathing that sat kind of in like alternative therapy land. Yeah. Um, and these are things like I'll say some names might not mean such much to many people, but like rebirthing, uh-huh. holotropic breathwork, and mainly from those two guys, there's stemmed a whole bunch of other styles as well. And um, that was interesting because you start to hear about people who are having these incredible cathartic emotional releases, shifting years of trauma in one breath session, having transcendental experiences yeah. where they meet past loved ones or meet God and all this kind of very out there stuff that yeah. I was like, I mean, that sounds kind of crazy that you can just do that by breathing. Um, but I had such an interesting experience and did something I didn't know I could do in Poland. Maybe there's something there as well. Yeah, it almost parallels like some of the experiences that people have on psychedelics mm. uh, as well. And psychedelics are becoming very popular, I think, in in terms of a scientific uh, perspective. So there's some really interesting research looking at specific types of psychedelic substances on um, PTSD, yes. on uh, major depressive episodes. Um, th- there's a whole bunch of, of, of uh, papers now being published on it because I think recently, uh, I think it was the FDA allowed scientists to start using these substances in the lab yeah in the lab and I think 
I think it's the state of Oregon in the states. Mm. In, they're looking at 2020 trying to legalize psilocybin yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. for medical use mm. um, or clinical use, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so I think we are moving in that in that direction where people are becoming much more understanding. Just removing the stigma of things and going, what does it actually do? Like, mm. what evidence do we have of the, what it can actually what can happen? Um, and I have a theory, and it's yet to be proven because for certain styles of breath work, there's not enough research around it yet. But I have a theory that for a lot of those deeper, what I call integrative styles of breath work, where you are going into the states of mind where you can have those cathartic releases, uh, uh, what's happening in the body and your physiology is very similar to when you do psychedelics. Right. Yeah. Um, Interesting. It's, it's my it's my theory at this point. Because I have a theory yeah. about one of the reasons why we experience post-runner's high or euphoric effects after having a HIIT training session. Mm. When you're doing a HIIT training session, you're really breathing fast. Mm. So not only are you uh, combining the breath work, you're also combining it with the anti-inflammatory effects of the exercise. You're pushing yourself very, very fast. And so perhaps that is in part why people still feel, feel so energized and refreshed after doing HIIT training. I, it I improves agree. your motivation, improves your mood. I personally do HIIT training in the mornings and I know when I don't, I'm less happy <laughs> throughout the whole day or I'm less sort of like, uh, uh, I'm less active. I'm just like, you know, I've obviously done my HIIT training this morning so I'm feeling yeah. pretty happy about myself but I think that might be one of, the, it's just a hypothesis but yeah. No, the, the happy hormone factory is on, is is uh, is producing, right? Yeah. Um, absolutely and yeah, there's a, there's a great book um, it's called Stealing Fire, mm-hmm. um, and I am just blanking on the author. And he's, and he's incredibly well known, so this is really annoying. But Stealing Fire, I'll put um, it in the show. Notes yeah, the and it's all before. about going into states of flow. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, uh, he talks about psychedelics specifically, mm-hmm. and he um, outlines a few things that are very, very interesting. He references uh, this phenomenon called uh, what's called transient hypofrontality. Mm-hmm where um, the the activity in the more advanced parts of the human brain, like the prefrontal cortex, gets turned down mm-hmm. and you start to experience more of what's happening in the emotional parts and the more primal parts, like your limbic system. Um, it's my impression that this is the exact same thing that happens when you're doing breath work. Sounds Yeah, and, yeah. and so that's why you can have these emotional releases, is that the parts of the brain that are responsible for essentially holding stuff in, mm. you know, because the, the prefrontal cortex and these advanced parts of our brain are the parts that, you know, keep track of time, um, personality, rules, regulations, you know, everything that makes us human, that allows us to do all these great things like making podcasts and that kind of thing, that gets you know, put to the side for a second and we get to come down to what's what's there mm. and uh, dig a little bit deeper and then you can start to experience things. Um, I find that very interesting actually because there have been some studies looking at, partic- I can't remember the types of breathing work that they did, yeah. but they looked at activity in the prefrontal cortex after having breathing uh, um, exercises and they found greater activity. Mm. Um, and the subjective experiences of those uh, people in, in the trials married that of you know someone becoming a little bit more creative, feeling a bit more happy about themselves and that sort of... Um, 
uh, process of going back into your like limbic system and actually uh, having greater awareness of your surroundings. I mean, it does sound like a psychedelic experience. From well, a lot of people who come to my classes, they they come out of it and they're like, "This stuff's better than MDMA." <laughs> like, I just feel like I'm tri- I'm just been tripping on acid and it's just breathing. Uh, you know, getting high in your own supply, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, you can use breathing for so many reasons, right? And um, for those interested, actually, in psychedelics, not that I, uh, I encourage people to mm. try psychedelics or MDMA, um, How to Change Your Mind is a book by Michael Pollan. Uh, he's a fantastic science writer. He did um, The Omnivore's Dilemma, which is another great read. But um, he's done a deep dive into the world of psychedelics when, it, when the term psychedelic was actually coined, uh, what the research uh, was showing pre um, the time that it was banned and what the current research is looking at at the moment. He actually self-experimented a whole bunch of times with different types in different clinical scenarios with guides, etc. Um, he's not actually a fan of it being freely available at this point in time, uh, which I'm in agreement with, actually. Mm. His reasons are, are described in his book. And it's a fantastic book, I think. Uh, you can listen to it on Audible as well. I'll put the links in the show notes. Um, but I think, yeah, it's definitely something... Uh, that is framing a, a, a different way of looking at the mind itself. Yes, I, I've read the book as well. It is amazing. Um, look, I've been to Peru. Um, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've, uh, I have a curious mind, and, and especially doing breath work, one to exp- very, very open to things that could help people. Yeah. And uh, before you start to give advice to others and, and teach people things, you have to research yourself, right, and see I, what it's going I understand. on. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I completely agree. Um, it just, it just like you said it just frames this perspective that so much is possible you know and i think for so many people that's the biggest block to their own healing in particular uh to their own health and to their own happiness is that they just that they don't believe that there is a way for them to to get there you know and with with you know more and more evidence well don't even really need evidence anymore. Neuroplasticity, it's a thing. We know that we can rewire the way that we think. Uh, and I mentioned Dr. Joe Dispenza before. He has a great book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm-hmm. Amazing, <laughs> really? amazing book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've and never he, heard of this guy. Oh, you got it. You will like him, I promise. Uh-huh. Um, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a doctor of Cairo okay. originally, but then has further education in neuroscience and and the cool thing about his work is that he backs everything up with science. Like mm. he's done all the research, all the fMRIs, all the HRV work. Like he really looks into it deeply. Mm. And uh, um, yeah, so I think I think it's really really exciting. And all these different things, whether it's breath work, whether it's um, <laughs> psychedelics, whether it's uh, food, lifestyles, you know, it's it's all just they're all just different tools. Mm. And and some stuff will work better for others, but I'm a big believer in in the holistic approach that mm. there needs to be an element of everything. Mm. Um, to, Why don't we break it down a bit because I think uh we've just dived straight into this <laughs> and stuff. we're going down yeah. a, a rabbit hole which is which is exactly what happens yeah. whenever you know we get too uh, creative people talking about it. But um breathing itself is quite mm. uh, an incredible activity that has both um involuntary and voluntary um control. Um, it's something that's very 
very unique to breathing and I think um, it's something that a lot of people don't really understand I mean we don't really think about our breath as as being a tool at all but it there is certainly and I always think this there is a reason sounds very Darwinian but there is a reason why we have developed the way we have there is a reason why we sleep for example there is a reason why we have both involuntary and voluntary uh, uh, ability to to change our breathing in the same way we don't have that ability for our heart we're not as consciously anyway but um why don't we talk a bit about that yeah and you know there's like it's a to simplify one of the laws of nature is if you don't use it you lose it okay right (laughs) so if if we have a function in our body it's because that it serves a purpose like you said you know breathing is pretty sure the only function that is completely unconscious but then also completely under our control um you know most people have never thought about their breathing their entire life Yet if you, if we, everyone would just take a deep breath in now and just relax out, you can follow along easily. Exactly. Yeah, everyone can do it. I imagine everyone just did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah, so, and that's why it's so interesting and so unique as a tool. Because our breathing is governed by this thing called the autonomic nervous system, Um it's the only part or only function of the of the autonomic nervous system that we do have control over. Mm. Therefore, it's the gateway. It's like the lever that we that allows us to get into there and start to control all the things that this nervous system is responsible for. And as it turns out, it's responsible for some pretty important things. You know, whether it's our endocrine system, cardiovascular system, respiratory systems, um, you name it. There's an element of autonomic uh, activity there. Mm-hmm. So. That's why it can be so useful, and you know, ancient traditions have known this forever. You know whether they knew that was the reason why, but they've worked it out and have been able to utilize this great tool that everyone has called breathing um, into their practice to improve their, you know, their their physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And it's so nice now that the science, at least in the West, is starting to catch up um, and and prove out more. Okay, this is why it works. Yeah, you know, science is the language of our times, right? It's it's what resonates with everybody some people are able to believe in different things without necessary scientific proof but if there's science there it means that all right this is pretty definitive we're pretty on board with this and so it's so nice to see that happening and i want to bring more of that too um into breath work because there are other types of breath work that haven't been haven't uh, had science you know, dive into so much yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found uh, a lot of um, interesting articles actually when I was researching for my second book, Eat to Be Illness, because mm-hmm. not only do I go into the food and nutritional science uh, with regard to improving our brain health, our immune health, our, our cardiovascular health, um, I talk about the lifestyle um, sort of additions to that. And time and time again, there's a few practices. Uh, yogic exercises uh, qigong like you mentioned and, and a couple of others um, but also breathing and stress relieving techniques and mind body interventions of which those are a couple as well and there was a paper um, that I think I referenced in the book from uh, two associate clinical psychiatrist professors at Columbia University in New York and they summarize a lot of the work looking at uh, breath work and why this has almost like pleiotropic effects on so many different issues, whether it be uh, improving your immunity or cardiovascular disease, for example. There's a few things that we do know that happens when we breathe, um, but I think that's distinct for certain types of breathing, and I think we'll get into that in a second. But as a rule of thumb, 
yes, BDNF is increased, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is uh, a factor that we use. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of things that can upregulate BDNF as well as other trophic factors. But that increases neurogenesis, which is the production of new neuronal cells, um, which is obviously important for cognition, protecting against dementia as well and cognitive decline. That happens as we age, as we build up um, oxidative stress in our cells. Um, it improves heart rate variability, which is very topical right now. I think mm. a lot of people have got HIV monitors. I think the Apple Watch might even have one. Yeah, um, uh, they have an ECG now, I think. Yeah, Apple, <laughs> they? ECG, so they're really yeah, getting yeah. into it. Yeah, I remember getting that actually because at the time I was trying to monitor my own atrial fibrillation episodes and trying to capture the beats. And it was very easy for me. I'd just walk into my A&E and speak to my consultant, <laughs> like, could you do an ECG on me? Um, but heart rate variability, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's the variability between each heartbeat um, uh, that we experience during the day and and in a stressed state you actually have a uh, lower HRV uh, and an unstressed state as uh, you have a higher uh, HRV so you have a higher variability which doesn't sound very intuitive to a lot of people initially you think oh Sounds why is it why is right? it more variability shouldn't it be steady yeah, yeah, like, yeah why are you scatterbrained I like to think of it as like you know you're chilled out you don't really care about how variable you are you know you just whereas if you're if you're stressed you're very you know, to the I'm tapping on the desk right now. <laughs> the producer's probably looking at me. Um, but you're in that stress state. You you've got a, a lower variability, and you're very rigid essentially. Um, and that correlates with a lot of uh, cardiovascular issues, as well as mental health issues, uh, and a couple other features as well, which I, I found absolutely fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, breathing has a very profound effect on your HRV. Um, you know, you can even check it yourself if you. Hold your pulse and feel your pulse and then inhale and just feel how fast it's beating and then exhale and then see how fast it's beating. You'll find that the, just by doing that, you'll feel your, the speed of your pulse change. Uh, yeah, HIV is, you know, it's a great measure of, um, I'm not sure if anyone calls it this, but I call it this, um, uh, your... Uh, oh, now I'm forgetting it. Your, yeah, your nervous system flexibility. Uh-huh. You know, it's your ability to be able to switch between this active state and this passive, more peaceful state. Um and, I uh, like that description. Yeah. It's a really interesting description, that because we have um, like metabolic flexibility as, mm. a, as a, uh, I think, as a term anyway, uh, between how well you can be adapted to a high carbohydrate versus a low carbohydrate diet. Mm. Um, which I, yeah, which I think. Sorry, carry on. No, 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 no you're right. <laughs> and uh, and um, so yeah, the, if and if you check your heart rate, your your pulse, and if if you see a significant difference between your inhales versus your exhales, then it's showing that you, you know your HIV is higher. You have more of that nervous system flexibility um which is a great thing um which is uh, i can imagine like in ancient traditions they would have done it that way because they didn't obviously have the technology back then to measure hrv right you know there's um what they've worked out the researchers have worked out is there's a they, they they've termed it coherent breathing um and they did research to work out what is the optimal pace to be able to breathe to be able to maximize your hrv and what they did through all their trials is that it's somewhere between three and a half to six depend, uh, breaths per minute, depending on the person. Six and a half uh, to ten breaths so per minute. Three and a half three and to a half. six breaths oh, wow. per minute. Yeah. And that is low. It's super, super low, considering most people will breathe somewhere between 14 to 20 times. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, I thought, like, when I when I rest at night, my breath uh, is around 15 to 16 mm-hmm. per minute. So that's in a, in a very relaxed state, I find. But Yeah. It, I, I would, yeah, look at trying to bring that down. And <laughs> three and a half to six is not necessarily your resting state. Mm. A 
that's a purposeful conscious state like i tell people generally if you can get it between nine to twelve gotcha that's fantastic that's also just just for for reference that breath is uh, inhale and an exhale of the same length mm-hmm. so coherent breathing i believe is five breaths per minute which is a six second inhale and a six second exhale and that is a great 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 technique uh, for helping to relax um, because it's balancing and harmonizing your frequencies across your brain, across your heart, across your lungs, um, and just, yeah, and calming everything down in a really nice way. Um, but again, that's one way to use your breath to affect that. There are other ways as well um, that you can use your breath to affect that. I, uh, I, I had this uh, med tech company come to one of my classes, and they've, I don't think they created it, but at least they have a device that measures something called cardiovagal tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so vagal tone, for anyone who doesn't know it, uh, is a measure of activity in the vagus nerve, which is one of the biggest nerves as part of your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your relaxation part of your nervous system. It's the 10th cranial nerve that goes all the way down to the past the diaphragm and spleen. Exactly. And, it's, uh, and so vagal tone is a great measure of essentially how relaxed you are. Um, so the higher, the better. And so these guys wanted to come. They wanted to see what is this breathing class doing? Um, and the breathing classes I do isn't putting on some whale song and breathing nice and gently <laughs> and just relaxing and falling off to sleep. No, it's, it's, a, it's a scientifically formulated sequence of breathing techniques to create effects in the body on purpose um so there's some very fast breathing at some points there'll be slow breathing at some points there'll be breath holding at some points there'll even muscle tension a whole bunch of different things happen um and so they they chucked on the device and they measured uh, measured a couple of people and then we were looking at the results afterwards and the the guy the scientist who was looking at the results he's like proper dry kind of fellow (laughs) really nice guy but you know wasn't showing his emotions and he was looking at the data and i was looking over his shoulder and it wasn't really making sense to me i couldn't really work out what 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 it was saying so i kind of asked him i went okay is this good is this bad (laughs) What, what what's going on and with a completely stone face he just goes this is remarkable. <laughs> and I just kind of looked at him for a little while. I was like, are you taking the piss or are you being serious? What we were able to measure was we were able to increase vagal tone over a 20-minute breathing session, not just a little bit, not even just doubling it, which by itself would be crazy, not even tripling it, not even quadrupling it. We increased it by nearly 600%. That's incredible. And... It, it yeah yeah absolutely nuts <laughs> yeah um so so there are some really amazing things that we can do and i and you know i i knew that that was going to be the case just mm. because of the feedback that i always see and the results i see in people people come out of the breathing sessions and they go i've never experienced anything like that in my life mm. i've never felt this way before i think so many people in this particular modern society have just this base level of stress they've forgotten what it actually feels like to be relaxed so they're so used to operating out of this sympathetic nervous system that even when they are kind of relaxed they're still relatively sympathetic and they've completely forgotten what it's like to actually be in a state of pure relaxation which when you look into what a lot of the ancient traditions will say is supposed to be like a almost like a blissful euphoric peaceful state of feeling so good for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Mm. Um, and, 
And yeah, this allows people to start to get back to that and start to go, oh my gosh, like, I didn't know that I could feel this way. Maybe I did once, but I've forgotten. <laughs> For <laughs> and, the listeners, like, it's quite interesting to hear that because obviously you know intuitively that that's what they're experiencing and now you have some of the evidence to back that up. Um, but what's going on in, the, in, in psychiatry is this understanding of uh, the mind-body connection and how increasing vagal tone specifically might actually be a therapeutic option. So <clears throat> it stems from this idea of inflammation being in part related to mental uh, health conditions, in particular um, anxiety, low mood, even severe mental uh, health issues as well. And if you can control um, or increase vagal tone to reduce the production of inflammatory proteins like cytokines, um, that can actually cross the blood-brain barrier and cause, uh, in, in some way, a causal with mental health issues, um, then this could be a, a genuine therapeutic option. And there are actually pharmaceutical companies looking at devices to increase vagal tone. I obviously shudder to that because I think there are other things that we can do before we get to that point where we're in, you know, attaching people to electronic devices to essentially uh, increase vagal tone. And that is a very, very interesting technique that I think is is catching on in some of the psychiatric world anyway. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm being approached uh, quite often by people in, in the mental health industry asking, you know, is there a way to learn what you teach? Um, and obviously, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of things that you can do. Um, and I think eventually I'm going to have to start a school or something. Yeah. <laughs> you should definitely yeah. um, look uh, into the EEGs, actually, as well. And if you come across some of the research behind that. I would love to. In fact... Yeah, I'm. I'm probably going to invest in my home, my home setup. Really? Yeah, yeah. I know they're not, they're not cheap, but I think it's worth it. Um, I'm. Uh, I. I'm. One of my missions is to try and bring as much data to this as possible. Yes. So yeah. I already have an HRV monitor. Gotcha. Um, I have a home EEG. Like it's kind of like one of those consumer ones. It's called the Muse headband, uh-huh. which is more designed as a biofeedback mechanism for meditation. But you can take. I think I've come across that. Is mm, it something that you, it like sits a around, strip? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, like a little it's like, headband that goes yeah, around. Yeah, it's like um, a mini EEG. It's not. It's nowhere near as. Uh, it doesn't have like a clinical application, no. but it's a good starting point. It's a great yeah. starting point, and you can pull the raw data from it. It, uh-huh. it. You kind of. It's a bit hacky, but you have to try and work. But I think I'm going to get like a full blown EEG, and just so that I can just do stuff at home because I am fascinated by it. Um, I want to do. I want to somehow get access to fMRIs. Yeah, and do breathing <laughs> yeah. sessions in yeah. fMRI and. Uh, Dude, get yourself a research graduate. I'm sure, like anyone listening to this podcast, I mean, we have lots of people, PhDs, uh, graduates, uh, biochemists, as well as medics and, mm. and um, medical students that are fascinated by the field of lifestyle medicine. If you get someone with ba- uh, with a background in research, there are some clinical psychiatrists actually looking at uh, EEGs uh, with specific regard to a yogic practice called Sky or um, Sudarshan Kriya, uh, yogic breathing, which there's so many different names, so mm. I don't know how yoga teachers and stuff keep <laughs> keep impressive with the different names but they um they hypothesize that uh it leads to greater neuroplasticity and greater f- neural flexibility is what they've termed it um when you when you practice these breathing techniques and they've shown that there's greater coherence in their eegs with patients that have gone through this so you know i i, I totally see you essentially creating more data from this to produce even if it is just like a few patients at a time or a few people um 
coming into the studies at a time, but definitely it's something you should investigate. I totally see that vision of medical practitioners or health practitioners actually being taught the ways of watching someone's breathe watch, watching someone breathe i mean in a clinical sense we are already taught to stat any medical students and doctors listen to this will will um will um concur with this we stand at the edge of the bed in the hospital patient we look at the way they're breathing we look at things around the patient what lines might be going in you know what their oxygen saturation monitor is we look for clinical uh, manifestations of clinical disease when we look at the end of the bed so how they're breathing um, a person with heart disease or a person with uh, a pneumonia they might have more rapid breathing but the degree to uh, to how we look at patients who just come in clinic who, who don't have an obvious respiratory disease are pretty blind to that. I mean, we look at other things like, you know, how they're sitting. Are they cross-legged? Are they angry? You know, very, very basic levels of trying to read someone's body language. But I think the way they breathe is something that would be completely lost on me. And I'm definitely going to be looking out for that the next time I'm in a clinic. Well, I think it's important to make a dis- uh, to distinguish between respiration and breathing mm. because I, I I think um, I'm writing a book at the moment I'm pretty sure one of the chapters is going to be called something along the lines of you know the science of respiration and uh, the behavior of breathing so respiration is what's happening internally inside of us so what is happening in terms of um, you know the the diffusion of, of oxygen the transport of oxygen uh the balance of gases in the blood and how that's serving us um at a cellular level mm. at a chemical level at a neurological level mm. um so like the physiology, the physiology of actually, of actually breathing happens, yeah, yeah. Of ventilation uh, yeah mm. and br- breathing itself the actual act of doing it is a behavior and you know the the human body is a habit forming machine and if for one reason or another we learn a way different way of breathing that maybe isn't anatomically correct or actually puts us into a stress response you know and we you know when we something happens we feel anxiety or if we have a panic attack we breathe differently right our our breathing reflects the way that we feel and if we are in that feeling for long enough the body's going to remember how to breathe that way um and because it is so closely linked to you know our autonomic nervous system and your what it means is that if even if we have no reason whatsoever to feel stressed or anxious but we're breathing in a stressed or stressed or anxious way it's going to cause us to feel stressed or anxious again it's going back to this mind-body connection that how one influences the other and vice versa so in the same way that our breath is a reflection of how we feel we can use our breath to change the way that we feel. Um, but if you have learned a way to breathe that it doesn't make you feel good and yeah. that's your habit now, um, d- ditching that feeling that doesn't make you feel good might be as simple as just learning to breathe a bit better. That's amazing. I mean, it's almost like a vicious circle, right? Yeah. Like a chicken exit scenario. Like if you are stressed, you will breathe differently and that will perpetuate your feelings of anxiety and so and so the circle goes. Yes. Whereas if you can break that with simple techniques like you're saying mm. that's that's really powerful i can so see that actually and and hopefully people listen to this will actually i i just speaking to you i'm actually a lot more conscious about the way i'm breathing i'm like i'm uh, i shouldn't I'm have said i was judged. watching i'm sorry but it's uh yeah it's but that cycle like see so you know you you absolutely hit the the nail on the head um you know i actually dr jerry 
said this, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, this guy I keep bloody talking about, I <laughs> yeah. uh, should be a salesman, I swear. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, he has this he has this quote where he goes, if, if thoughts are the language of the mind, then feelings are the language of the body. Mm. So, you know, we have certain thoughts um, that happen um, yeah, in our mind and then that can trigger for uh, an emotion to happen within the body. And as you know, an emotion is simply a chemical reaction that happens and creates certain sensations and then we group those sensations together and we define that as a feeling or an emotion. Um, but what then happens is if you start to feel, let's just take stress as, a, as one that's very common, the, body, the mind then picks up, oh, I'm feeling the stress, starts to think more stressful thoughts, which then creates more stressful chemicals, which then creates more stressful thoughts, and you get into that pattern. And it can be super, super hard to bake because it is like a, you know, you see, it's like you're spiraling out of control. If you can use something like breathing as a way of taking the mind out of the body and creating a path out of that vicious cycle because it can be quite hard like meditation for example is another great way to do it but like meditation is like using the mind to control the mind mm. or learn or to teach the mind which can be quite tricky soup works yeah it's, you know a thousand years of tradition i meditate every single morning mm. um but can be tricky especially for people who are just starting but breathing is using the body to get control of the mind. So you don't actually have to think anything. You just have to know, I know that I can use this technique because it does this. So let's just sit down, do this for five minutes, and it's just going to work. I can see it almost like a gateway into meditation, right? Because in the same way, you know, we have to sharpen our body. We have to look after it with food. You know, changing the way we think using a physical tool that we all have, mm. lungs, mm. the ability to breathe in and out. Um, that that's that that's quite a unique way of looking at it. Actually, I never thought about it in that way. And for those meditators out there, um, <laughs> there's breathing practices that you can do to act as like a speed ramp into your meditation practice, so that you get much more bang for your buck. I know there's all these like like trans transcendental meditation, like and all these ones where it's like you know 20 minutes short and sharp, but you get like really good results. But then for the first 10 minutes, just kind of fidgeting, being yeah. like, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't yeah. think. Um, the, you can breathe in a certain way for like three to five minutes. That's almost straight away going to switch off that thinking brain so that when you do your 20 minutes of meditation, you're getting like the absolute maximum efficiency. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. fascinated by how we can actually test those theories because I think that one of the most commonly accepted uh, understandings is that it increases GABA in the brain, mm. which is the testable hypothesis, but it also reduces cortisol uh, effects as well. So it'd be interesting because I think the the conversation with breathing and meditation is all is generally polarized towards mental health issues, mm. stress, anxiety related issues, etc. But actually, there's uh, some gathering evidence about how mind body interventions, breathing of one of, is one of them, can be um, uh, utilized in immunotherapy, uh, can be used as part of longevity uh, techniques, reducing the issues of aging, inflammation as one. Um, I find that as a as like almost like the sky's no limit for for these sorts of interventions. I think, um, and I apologize because I think we've gone through this conversation. and I actually haven't even said what breath work is, yet. <laughs> and that's probably an important thing to mention um, because that really frames a, a really good add on to what you've just said. Um, so I define breath work because there's kind of a lot of definitions and different schools have kind of taken it and made it their own, but. I simply say breath work is any time you become aware of your breathing and then use it purposefully to change and improve your physical, mental, or emotional states. Simple as that, really. That's a really succinct, nice way yeah. to describe it. And it kind of captures everything, right? So whether mm. you're doing pranayama, whether you're doing these 
you know, these transcendental styles of breathing where you're having divine experiences or just like a two to three minute technique just to help you to calm down. It's, it's all breath work. Anytime yeah. you're using breathing, it's that's breath work. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to your point, you know, once, and I think this is where more research can become super useful is that diff breathing differently and in different ways is going to affect your physiology differently. So in the same way that you said, yeah, you know, you can breathe in certain ways to decrease your adrenaline, decrease your cortisol levels, increase GABA, no doubt. But then you can also breathe in a certain way to do the exact opposite if that's what you want to do. Mm. For example, to create energy in the body, sometimes it's nice to increase a bit of adrenaline, mm. you know. And if we uh, I do breathing techniques with uh, athletes in particular, um, athletes are a really interesting one because before competition, either they will have... They'll, they'll need to relax and calm down or they'll need to get up and get energized. People will either become really lethargic when they're nervous or they'll get become hyperactive. So you need to be able to create a technique that works for both of those people. Um, so sometimes you need to pump them up or sometimes you need to, oh, okay, yeah, bring them down, down a bit. Yeah. yeah. I always remember Lennox Lewis going into fights back in the day. I don't know if you ever watched him coming out of the change room. He would sleep. Yeah. He would literally have like a little nap, right, before he mm -hmm, goes on fights. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so sometimes you need just that little pump up, right? Mm -hmm. And you breathe in certain ways to make that happen for yourself, chemically, neurologically. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so you can use breathing in all sorts of different ways. Uh, and so it's interesting where we direct the research or the study or where we emphasize um, what to look at because... Um, I mean, like you said, the sky's the limit. It could be used for so many different yeah. things. Even the researchers looking at, you know, cardiovascular disease and um, things like gastrointestinal issues. I mean, you've had some patients, right, with or some, yeah. some clients with IBS symptoms and yes. improved. And so I've had people with IBS who've come in, and again, um, you know, IBS is highly linked to stress, and stress is highly linked to the way that you breathe, and vice versa. So the watching the way that they breathe, I can any 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 person with a with a digestive issue, I already know how they're going to be breathing. Like I can just picture it right now. Um, and so all we do is make some simple changes, and even without any further inter intervention from dietary or, or, or any other medical supplementation, um, they can have drastic improvements in their symptoms. And, uh, and it was, again, just as simple as learning to breathe correctly. Simple, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, even, even things like lower back pain, which is huge for so many people, is caused uh, in a lot of cases, um, in my experience, by just the constant bracing of the muscles and intrinsic muscles in that area. Um, and learning to breathe correctly means that you have to relax those muscles. So there are certain techniques and exercises that you can do. Um, and I know a good friend of mine is also a Wim Hof instructor um, and is you know, big into breathing and uh, does that with all his patients. I think last time we talked about it, he was like, I can pretty much guarantee that any patient I have who has chronic, chronic back pain that you know no longer has anything to do with uh, trauma, um, he can get rid of in like 10 days. Wow. Just by being, do 10 days of these breathing exercises and it'll be gone. And just posture and stuff like that. Yeah, That's yeah. Well, because it, it's, yeah, it's all one and the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I so, remember going to, so I, I, um, I told you at the start, I, I'd been to a Wim Hof session yeah, yeah. where uh, it was in LA, it was a summit and a conference and he got us all to do these breathing exercises. We should probably try some actually yeah, in a second yeah. make sure if you are listening to this you're in like you're at home you're sat on a seat something you're not driving or anything um, but he got us all to do these exercises where we over oxygenate and we hyperventilate essentially mm. and then um, held our breath for two minutes and everyone was able to do it it was mm -hmm. quite remarkable there was like 300 people there it, yeah. was, it was pretty remarkable so I would like to 
um, say something around the over-oxygenation part uh-huh. because um, I think for people who have tried a breathwork class before or something, the people are, the breathworkers are going to say quite often because most people, this is what they're understanding, uh, is, yeah, we're going to be introducing lots of oxygen into the body mm. and that's why you're going to get all these sensations and da-da-da. Um, you know, our blood is already mostly saturated, you mm. know. We sit, most people at a healthy 97, like 98% mm. uh, blood oxygen saturation. Um, and doing a lot of deep breathing isn't necessarily going to increase oxygen that much mm. um, because there's not much scope for more oxygen to be increased. What it does do is it does decrease a lot of carbon dioxide. Mm. You blow out a lot of carbon dioxide. And that, um, so when you do Wim Hof styles or any of these big hyperventilating styles of breathing, which is what it is, hyperventilating has a bad name, mm. um, bad rap, because when people, they link it to things like panic attacks. And yeah, yeah. if you uh, have like a breathing disorder where you're chronically hyperventilating, that can lead to all sorts of issues for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, but, uh, you know, when I look at uh, blood gases uh, in emergency department, you know, mm. I can I can see, you know, when someone's come in, panic attack and yeah. stuff. And we, we have a look at the pH and usually we see a respiratory alkalosis because of low carbon dioxide. Exactly. A bit of a higher PO2 as well. Mm-hmm. And they... Um, yeah, so hyperventilation, if it's controlled and done with a purpose, can do some really interesting things. Um, you know, so Wim Hof method, you're going to be hyperventilating. A lot of these um, uh, integrative forms of breath work where you are having these crazy experiences, it's hyperventilation. But it's not a bad thing if it's done purposefully for a short period of yeah, time yeah. and it's controlled. Um, but, yeah, so you're decreasing carbon dioxide. So that's the reason why everyone can hold their breath for so long <laughs> yeah, is yeah. because your oxygen levels jumped up a bit, but then your carbon dioxide is just tumbled down. And so all of a sudden, the, and for those who don't know, um, the trigger to be able to, to feel like you need to breathe isn't due to a lack of oxygen in the body. It's actually due to a buildup of carbon dioxide. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that, yeah, but that's yeah. actually the marker. So we have baroreceptors uh, in our brain that will measure the carbon dioxide level and that will be the trigger for you to, to breathe, essentially. Mm. So uh, that it's a, it's it's actually quite harrowing when you when you have to, like, you know, if you're trying to hold your breath in, in the swimming pool, for example, or yeah. I remember doing this as kids and stuff, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very anxiety-provoking. Yeah. And that's why I was quite surprised that so many people did it in a very calm fashion. Um, but I suppose when you think about the, the physiology behind it, it makes perfect sense. It's super interesting. And, like, one of the reasons why those styles of breathwork, specifically Wim Hof Method, is so useful for people and... Um, um, uh, is is that you're putting your body under a state of stress, but you're doing it consciously, you are in control. We keep talking about mind-body connection. You're starting to build this link between the body being in a stress response with this f- deep, fast breathing, which is actually causing the, an increase in adrenaline um, and, and putting the body into a sympathetic mode um, and being like, but it's okay, I'm doing this, I am in control. And then, and then you do the breath hold. And for a little while, the breath hold's actually super, super pleasant mm. um, because the body just goes, oh, thank God you're not breathing deep anymore. And in fact, you know what? We're going to switch you straight into your parasympathetic for a while. You're going to enjoy that. When I was talking about um, doing the class where we measured cardiovascular tone, yeah. the points of the highest parasympathetic activity were when we were th- at the very beginning of a breath hold. Right. Yeah. So the body almost just goes, oh, thank God you're not doing that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Let's relax. And you just you swing massively the other way like a pendulum. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, but then eventually the body starts to run really low on oxygen and it starts to release the stress hormones again and starts to wake you up and go, please, please breathe. Mm. So you're almost doing this interval training between putting your body into stress and putting your body into relaxation and then stress and then relaxation. Mm. But all the time you're in control and you're doing it. And that's probably the biggest um, thing that I see with, with people who come to my classes a lot and my clients is that they completely recondition their relationship to stress. It's that whole cycle thing that we were talking about before the thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking that, you know, you're practicing being in stress with this breath but you're in control and you know how to do it and and you're going, I'm fine, I'm okay. And that starts to get linked Mm. so that when something happens in life and your unconscious thought then goes, oh, this is something that stresses me out, boom, let's release some stress hormones, let's let's change the body, our physiology to get ready for action and then the mind picks that up, you then just go, but I know how to deal with this. Mm. It's all good. I've got this. I do this all the time. And then you break the cycle. Yeah. And so... I, I say people who, who do this work, they become unshakable yeah. or more unshakable. Yeah. Um, there's, there's quite a few parallels you can actually mm. uh, make with that and general cardiovascular exercise. The more exercise you do, the more resilient your body becomes. And and no doubt, you know, exercise itself, if you to measure markers of inflammation in the blood after doing an intense exercise, it will be up because it's a pro-inflammatory activity. But over time, the benefits of exercise are thus because... Uh, you become essentially used to those um, uh, those challenges and your body responds adaptively. It's almost like this plant hermetic effect, um, which one, I, I think is very interesting from a breath point of view. One thing I want to mention as well, because you mentioned the pool, mm. uh, which is super important because I think people are starting to put, make links of like, you can hold your breath for a long time, pool, or pool. maybe, oh, yeah. yeah, like maybe, maybe, so all I need to do is do some of this like Wim Hof method or this deep breathing, and then I can hold my breath for a really long time, so next time I uh, I go snorkeling, I'm yeah. going to be like a, a, a merman or a mermaid. <laughs> um, it's really important that you don't do this type of breathing when you go swimming. Mm. Uh, I do free diving, um, and they... Hey, it's not the right word, but they, uh, they're very cautious about people who know Wim Hof method right. because um, maybe without going into it too much, it can cause this thing called shallow water blackouts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so maybe Google that if that's of interest to you, but it's all to do with the levels of carbon dioxide and oxygen in your blood and how that changes when you're doing activity, yeah. especially after hyperventilation. So Absolutely. the essential... The, the, the water is a completely different physiological environment exactly. to how we are in our normal atmosphere. So that's that's a very important message. Yeah, so just make sure that you're not doing this and then thinking you can hold your breath for, you know, 10 minutes although you know if you train yourself even without doing that deep breathing work um you can hold your breath for a really long time it's part of the free diving training that you do there's techniques to be able to learn to build up carbon dioxide resistance so i think like my longest breath hold is something like four minutes 22 seconds and and i didn't i didn't used to be able to do that yeah Yeah, Yeah. you know but you can train it up yeah you know stig severinsen is a is a very famous free diver and he's all about breath work now Mm. and he's He's got his own like online course, and uh, yeah, he has a lot of really good techniques as well Absolutely. for people who are interested. Well, let's try a little uh, breath technique, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Well, what's the time? It's uh, it's kind of 
approaching midday, so let's do something to create energy then, uh, rather than try and wind us down because we don't need to wind down right now. Um, so this is something that you guys can try. Uh, it comes from a Sufi tradition originally. Um, I've changed it a little bit and made it kind of the way that I like it. I I now call it the Energizer Bunny, uh, um, and it's really simple. And within you know just a minute or ninety seconds of doing this, you're going to feel a profound difference in your energy levels. Um, so doing this, if you're doing this at home, um, please just be in a, a safe place, seated or lying down. Um, I mean, you, you can do it standing as well, actually. It's not a big deal. But just, just be in a place where you can just concentrate on this and not be disturbed. And uh, so we're going to be creating some energy. It's very, very simple. It's three inhales through the nose, followed by a relaxed sigh out through the mouth. Um, and I call it the Energizer Bunny because when people do it, they kind of, like, you know, they, they crinkle up their nose as they're trying to inhale fast enough because the pace of this breathing is actually quite fast and it's quite, um, yeah, it's quite intense. And you're going to keep it up for, yeah, between 16 and 90 seconds to f- you'll feel the effect, but if you can do it for longer if you need more energy. Okay. So it's super, super simple. So I'll demonstrate. Uh, the important thing is that as you inhale, you're not exhaling out. So in between the three inhales, you're not breathing out in between each one. So you're progressively filling up your lungs more and more like a ladder kind of function. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll demonstrate very, very quickly. And this gives you an idea of the pace that we're talking about. So um, three inhales through the nose, followed by a relaxed sigh out through the mouth. So it goes like this. So it's quite fast. Yeah. And keeping that going for like 60 seconds, I'm 90 seconds. I'm watching my producer. Oh, he's, he's going to try. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know if you want to actually do a guided session for 60 seconds now or we can just give them the instruction they can try it at home. Um, but the important thing as you're doing that breathing to focus on is breathing and thinking of filling yourself up from the bottom to the top. Uh, what I mean by that is breathing lower, like breathing into your lower body first, then filling up into your mid and then into your upper um upper chest a lot of people habitually breathe very high up into their chest into their shoulders which has a whole host of you know negative physiological effects so focus on trying to breathe lower and what that looks like is your belly pops out your Mm. the um your bottom ribs will flare out and so starting low and then filling yourself up so yeah so what i want to do i'm actually gonna try it let's do it for 60 do you want to do it for 60 seconds all right maybe producer can time yeah um okay great so so if you exhale out and let's go so now keep going so as you by the time you get to your third breath you want to feel like you're pretty full so you're taking like really nice big breaths in yeah Nice. I can see producers going at it as well. So as you're doing this breath, you might start to feel a little bit lightheaded. You might start to feel a little bit dizzy. That's okay, guys. That's totally fine. It's totally safe. You can breathe this way for hours with absolutely no detrimental effect. Um, You're just doing something new, creating different changes uh, in your physiology. And with new changes comes new experiences, new feelings, and new sensations. So just keep going if you can. If you uh, feel like you're, um, it's feeling like uh, quite intense, can you just relax into that intensity? Can you just kind of uh, into it? I think that was one minute. How do you feel, mate? 
Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good, yeah. And uh, yeah, producer's nodding. nodding. Yeah, 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 he liked that. <laughs> and, uh, um, but one thing I'll have to say, Doc, is uh, I think we need to do a session because I want to yeah. look at your breathing. Definitely, yeah. I have a, I definitely have, I, I know it, I, yeah. I definitely breathe high up into my chest. Yeah. Uh, I, when I'm commuting as well, uh, I'm definitely like highly strong. I don't like being in the train, for example. Mm. And that kind of breathing pattern I've realized kind of permeates the rest of my day. Yes. Um, and I try and have like mindful moments. So when I'm in A&E um, and I'm washing my hands like between patients, I try and have a moment there where I'm breathing through my nose and out through mm. my mouth. Um, but it'd be great to get like some steps for like, you know, breathing for sleep, breathing for commuting, breathing for motivation, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I'm assuming you have this on your website or some of the workshops you do. Yeah, in the workshops that I do, um, I talk a lot about uh, there are various workshops so some of the workshops are more geared towards that from like a therapeutic perspective so you know working through perhaps traumas uh, having emotional um, yeah re- releases and that kind of thing but then there I do a lot of workshops which are more around the mechanics of breathing and how you can use it or fix your own breathing to start off with and then how you can use it day to day to be able to um, you know create real and shift the quality of your life in a really mm-hmm. big way um and yeah, I, I probably need to get better at doing some online contact. My Instagram, I do put, put quite a bit of stuff on there. Um, I think the biggest, most useful resource is something that unfortunately isn't out yet. So I am writing a book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is this is the thing that is is uh, my big focus right now. Is I'm taking all my learnings over the last you know few years and putting it together into something that is really useful for everybody so Mm -hmm. it's going to have a way to be able to assess your breathing give you plans based off your assessment on how to fix it Mm -hmm. um and then a host of different breathing techniques um for all different scenarios so like you just said breathing for stress breathing for anxiety breathing to sleep breathing to relax um breathing for motivation is a good one breathing for addictions i've had people who quit smoking just through breath work wow um uh breathing for creativity um, breathing for pain relief. I and can so see this being a really important resource for a lot of people. And you can pre-order now, right? You can pre-order now. It's on Amazon. March 2020. What's that's it. Uh, exhale, the science and art of breathwork. The science and art of breathwork. Yeah. I love it. And um, the uh, yeah, and then there's also a lot of medical styles of breathing as well. So breathing for um, high, low blood pressure, breathing mm-hmm. for autoimmune diseases, just like my dad, uh, breathing for asthma, uh, breathing for digestive issues, breathing for for things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, ME, mm. um, and a whole host of more. Yeah, there are lots of different things that you can do um, just using your nose and your mouth, well, and uh, I, it works I, real well. I can't wait for my personal breath session, and I'll definitely go to one of your yes, workshops soon, please. buddy. But thank you so much for coming, mate. This has been brilliant, and I'll put all the links to your socials on the um, uh, on the show notes and stuff. Um, but, mate, pleasure having you here. Thank you so much. It's been it's amazing. Uh, I love your work, love everything you do, and I can't wait to show you some breathing. Definitely. And uh, to breathe you. <laughs> I'm trying to get this terminology out there. What an episode with Richie. Like I said, you can catch Richie at thebreathguy.co.uk and thebreathguy on Instagram. His website has links to all of his workshops, plus his book, Excel, The Science and Art of Breathing, is going to be out in March 2020. I'll put the pre-order link on the show notes as well. To summarise, we talked about how breathing can increase heart rate variability, 
BDNF and EEGs and different sorts of ways in which we can measure this activity, demonstrate just the power of breathing and what we can potentially do with breathing in the future. Now, the science isn't there yet as a therapeutic intervention, but I certainly believe that breathing has a place in modern life, particularly if you think about all the different modern day stresses and the experiences that we have on a daily basis. You can find links to all the different scientific studies that we chatted about on the show notes at thedoctorskitchen.com. Make sure you check out Eat to Be Illness. It's out now. I talk about brain health, immunity, skin, heart health, and I introduce some of the ideas and concepts around mind-body interventions like breathing and yoga, as well as 80 new delicious recipes that you can cook at home. Make sure you subscribe to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. Give this a five-star review if you loved Richie talking. It really does help other people find the podcast. I'll catch you in the kitchen and I will catch you on the podcast next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.